300 episode of Wisdom Wednesday. And thanks to Brother Andre for showing up. <laughs> Seriously, crusadechannel.com forward slash donate. You can chat in the chat room, crusadechannel.com forward slash chat. Uh, a month or two ago, I can't remember what the occasion was. I think you wrote about this in an, in an ad rim. Did you do an ad rim on purgatory and the souls in limbo? Uh, we did, well, I've done many things on Limbo. Okay. Um, Purgatory is a separate issue, but I've done many things on Limbo, yes. Okay. You and I did a Wisdom Wednesday, and we talked about the souls in Limbo. I know we did. I just don't, um, didn't have time to find the exact date, but we did talk about it. Uh, it has come up in a lot of discussion here online and in the Crusader Stadium chat room today. Uh, primarily, it has come up as a result of the ballot initiative that was passed yesterday in Ohio that basically means you can kill babies up until the day of delivery. Of course, since life is not defined, uh, there's, there's no definition of it in the act, uh, the state hasn't defined it. Um, uh, I assume this means until uh, the first breath is taken and the birth certificate is printed. Then I guess there's an actual human being there. So the question was coming up about uh, the souls of babies that are aborted and about the uh, the teaching of the limbo of the lost. And the limbo I, of infants. The limbo of infants. And I assured people in the chat room that um, I, I said, look, I'm going to, I will ask brother, uh, since we have discussed this in the past, to just kind of, uh, and there is a Wisdom Wednesday that all of you can listen to because those are not behind the paywall. There is a Wisdom Wednesday previously of a pretty deep dive into this subject here, but maybe it's just a little refresher course because people are very, uh, well, they're agitated. They're, 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 <laughs> There are a lot of people that are depressed today as a result of elections. I don't think that that should be how we should live our lives, hinging upon uh, what voters in another county say we in this county have to do, and especially uh, especially when it pertains to matters of life and death. But that's just me. Um, but limbo of the infants. What can you t what can you tell our uh, our, our our listeners? Well, um, among other things, I can tell our listeners that I did a whole reconquest on this, um, and I'm, I'm going to drop it in the chat room so that people there uh, will be able to link to the show on the, um, rec uh, not my page, but on your page, on the crusadechannel.com page. Anyway, so yeah, it's, it's so we need to make distinctions. Theology is all about proper distinctions. Right? Yes. Rather, Rather, theology is about taking the data of divine revelation and applying to it reason and making intelligent distinctions. Um, so the name of my reconquest was, yes, limbo is church teaching. So you, I think those who are listening to me are going to know where I'm coming from. I've kind of given it away. But first of all, the, 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 the reason that limbo, and, 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 and people will come and say, but the magisterium never used the word limbo, which is not true. Um, it's it's uh, mostly true, to use Billy Crystal, I guess. It's mostly true <laughs> in the sense that it was, it was only used once. Um, and in the magisterial pronouncement it was used in, it was not defining its existence. But... If you, let's just explain what limbo is first. That's the first thing to do. So, 
we know that in order to get into heaven, one has to be baptized. In order to get into heaven, one has to be in the state of sanctifying grace. Now, there is this opinion, um, which is common among many fathers and, 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 and doctors about baptism of desire. Um, so, if we grant that it's possible, and I'm doing this for the sake of argument, if we grant that it's possible, according to the teaching of, say, St. Thomas Aquinas, that those who have the faith are translated into the state of sanctifying grace because they, they have been given the actual graces which they've cooperated with, they have faith, they have hope, they have charity, they're in the state of sanctifying grace, and um, uh, they die without the sacrament and, and can be saved, according to that opinion. That's only possible, according to that opinion, according to any of the doctors that said this, that's only possible uh, for adults. That's only possible for those who are able to make an act of faith and have themselves translated into the state of sanctifying grace. For this reason, infants are incapable, as is made very clear in the Catechism of the Council of Trent, of assenting to the faith or of, or, or, or of making an act of hope or of making an act of charity. Now, you might say, but wait a minute, what about baptized infants? They have faith, hope, and charity. Yes, because that's the only way it can be infused into them is by baptism. So, because it's infused into them, the infants in the, in, in, who are baptized have faith, they have hope, they have charity, which means they have sanctifying grace as well. So, they have those four things. They also have infused virtues and they, they have the gifts of the Holy Ghost. But all of that is in them is sort of latent potentialities as far as them being able to act upon them. But as far as being translated into the state of being children of God, which were not born naturally children of God. We're not. I mean, why does the... I was thinking about this this morning at Mass. Um, why is it that... I mean, it's a subject that I've pondered a lot... When the priest is going to say the Our Father in, in Mass, he's, uh, he says, uh, prompted by saving admonitions, I'll just skip the rest, we dare to say, Audemus dicere, Pater Noster, etc. We, we dare, we have the audacity to say, we, some translations say we make bold to say, that the word is audemus, and we get the word audacious from it. We make bold to say, and then we start the Our Father. Why is it, why is it audacious of us for us to call God Father? Because He's not our Father by nature. He's our Creator. Nobody can rightly call God Father unless He's been divinely adopted into God's family. So we're not born into this world children of God. Okay. If we're not born into the world children of God, then we don't have a partake, partaking of the divine nature. If we don't have the partaking of the divine nature, we don't have um, those gifts and, and those, the, the grace that we need in order to be saved. So, and the only way that that can be had, accessed, without the sacrament is via the so-called baptism of desire, which I will grant is capable of translating somebody from a state of sin into a state of justice. Okay, so um, that's one thing. The other, the other, the another thing that we need to keep in mind is this: the theologians uh, d distinguished, and this is how limbo developed in the West. This is how the concept of limbus, which means borderlands, limbus means borderlands, and what's it on the borderlands of? The borderlands of hell. 
So those who, those who die um, and, uh, without sanctifying grace, those who die in a state of mortal sin, or in a state of actual sin only, uh, excuse me, of original sin only, can't be saved. But there's a distinction among those who are lost to the beatific vision. And when I say lost, I mean lost to the beatific vision. Let's be very precise. Okay. They're lost to the beatific vision. And I don't include the souls in purgatory because although they will not have the beatific vision for a certain amount of time, they're destined to, to it ultimately after their purgation. So, uh, there's a distinction between those who die, say, with only original sin and those who die with original sin plus a, a, a heaping helping of actual mortal sins. And we know, I mean, you've read the Divine Comedy, you read at least the Inferno, I know. Um, I read you know, it all. You know that there's a, there are degrees of punishment in hell. And of course, you know, we don't get our faith from Dante, but Dante based it upon the common teaching of the church. I mean, we know that in heaven there are gradations of, of beatitude. In my Father's house there are many mansions, our Lord says. And we know that everybody's going to be re uh, rewarded or punished based upon their merits or demerits. It only makes sense because God is just. So, you know, you're, you know, you're Joseph Stalin. I won't say Hitler because that's just too obvious. I mean, everybody goes for that one. Uh, I'll go for somebody worse. You're Joseph Stalin's or your Mao Zedong's or whatever um, who, who are lost uh, or Judas, for instance, who... Yeah, we, we have every reason to believe he's damned. It's pretty much from our Lord's words, our yes. Lord's own lips. Judas, whom Dante puts as one of the three that's in Satan's three mouths being chewed forever, uh, Judas is very far down in hell. He's being punished with a, with a lot of what's called the pena senses. Now, what's common in hell to everyone is what's called the pena domine. So this is what the medieval theologians distinguish. The pain of loss, would you call it in English, or the pena domine, which is the pain of the damned, but that's what's common to everyone who doesn't have the beatific vision, the pain of loss. And then there's super added to that by virtue of our demerits that we've gotten from, from sin, there is uh, the pain of sensus, the so-called pain of sense. In other words, those positive punishments added over and above the pain of loss. Now, as Brother Francis used to point out, we don't know the nature of the pain of loss for infants who could not have known Okay, so even the pain of loss admits of degrees. So, for instance, somebody, uh, say me, say myself. Um, I know the faith, I've learned the faith, I've, 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 I've prayed, I've been to Mass, I've been, I've been instructed, you know, I've, been, I've, I've received sacraments, etc., etc. To whom more is given, more is expected, right? Right. If I, God have mercy on me, if I lose my soul, which God forbid, I would have an awful lot of reckoning because, uh, because so much was given to me, and I squandered it. Now, an, an unbaptized infant who had no way of, of accessing these, these things, even the pain of loss is going to have a different impact on him than it is going to on the, on the souls of uh, those who are punished for uh, actual sin. Huh? Mm -hmm. Especially one who's you know, particularly culpable, like, say, the evil brother Andre. Uh, if I if I you know die in the state of mortal sin, God have God God spare me that right. 
So the, the, the distinction between the Pana Domini, which is common to all the souls in, in, who, who are deprived of the beatific vision for eternity, and the Pana Census, which is custom-tailored to each according to his own sins, that is what gives us essentially the doctrine of limbo, which says that for those who are guilty of original sin only, but have no guilt for actual sin. They, they do not go to the beatific vision, but they are in a state, and consequently after the resurrection of the body, a place where there is no pain of sense. Mm -hmm. And the, the theologians throughout the Middle Ages and into modern times uh, sort of embellished this a little bit, you know, by... Uh, you know, St. Thomas, I think, had all the essentials there. They, it was, it, they were capable of natural happiness. Um, St. Thomas said they even have a, a way of partaking in, in God, somehow, naturally speaking, right? And um, that, that therefore um, they're not in, the, in hell, which we normally picture when we picture hell, right? The, the, which, is, which is, you know... Whatever, devil sticking pitchforks in people's posteriors, right? I think so that Dante's version of hell, if you just read when he gets down to the fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh rings, is pretty scary. But, but keep in mind, Dante also had limbo. And in fact, he didn't just have it for infants. He had it for um, the just pagans who were... He had something like it. Remember, this is the only place in, 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 in the in Inferno where there's um, sunlight and green grass. So he's got the poets and the philosophers and all wearing their laurels. Remember that? Yes. So, so that's yeah. before you cross the river Styx. That's before you get to the, right. you know, the, the rest of hell, which is, which is most of it, which is really, really bad, where, because they're suffering the pain of sense. Dante was devoted to St. Thomas, and he had read the Summa, and he, and he was very theological-minded. He was a layman, but he was extremely theologically formed. So, he, so, yeah, it's a work of literature, it's a work of poetry, but he was astutely formed theologically. And he set, I mean, some people have oversimplified the matter and said that it's basically the Summa set to poetry, which is, you know, sort of poetically overstating the case. But, uh, but, you know, okay, so that's, that, that's the theological explanation for what it is we're talking about when we talk about limbo. Because when people ma just make the blanket statement, well, infants go to limbo, well, but what is limbo? What does it mean? I hope I just made it clear what it actually means. But there's, 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 um, there's more to it than that, because when we get to the positive teaching of the magisterium, we have, I mean, for, first of all, let, let me read you two fathers of the church. St. Gregory Nazianzen, who's called the theologian, said uh, that souls, such souls, those who are lost, those who die unbaptized, the infants, they, they will neither be glorified nor chastised. So glorified, of course, would be in heaven. Chastised would be um, in hell. the pain of sense. Right, right. St. Augustine had to warn a young convert of this, and this is found in On the Soul and Its Origin. He tells the guy this. If you wish to be a Catholic, do not believe or say or teach that children who are taken away by death before they are baptized may gain the remission of original sin. Um, now, in against Julian, which St. Augustine was writing against a, um, a Pelagian heretic, uh, who was a really evil guy, by the way, um, 
the uh, Saint Augustine says that he he wouldn't deny that they could have. He wouldn't say of unbaptized infants what our Lord said of Judas, which is, it is better for that man that he had not been born. That's why I stated very confidently, by the way, that Judas is in hell. Because our, our Lord would not say of him, better for that man than he had not been born, if he, ultimately he's going to be saved. St. So, Augustine said he would not say that of infants, precisely because their, their creation... Um, they can have something in their existence that they can actually enjoy, even without the beatific vision. So let me. So now, theologians in, in, in the Middle Ages, Saint Thomas Aquinas among them, um, said that limbo was a place of natural happiness. And again, in in his De Malo, Saint, Saint Thomas Aquinas basically says that they can have some form of union with God. It's not supernatural, but they can have some form of union with God. Now, dogmatically, and here's what we have. This here's what we have to believe. Uh, Fourteen thirty nine, the Council of Florence. This is the Union Council when all of the Greek, all of the all of the Eastern Church came into union. Um, at that time, and that union lasted for decades afterwards. All of the ancient patriarchates of the East came into the Catholic Church at this point. 1439, the decree of union. And this is, at, this is amply proved historically. Um, pope Eugene IV was the Pope, and this, in the Bull of Union, uh, I, I won't get into the history as to why this was a point of dispute between um, the Latins and the Greeks. Okay. But in the Bull of Union, this is said. Now, this is a solemn definition. You can't get more solemn than this. A, it's an ecumenical council. The Pope was there, and in fact, all of the Eastern patriarchates were represented. All five ancient patriarchates were represented in this council. And here's the Pope in it, with the bishops. The Pope is the head of the College of Bishops defining in an ecumenical council. We define that the souls who die in actual mortal sin or in original sin only alone descend immediately to the world below, but that they will receive dissimilar penalties. Now, the world below, um, it, it's interesting. The word used is, let me see is infernum, which is the same word that's used in the Apostles' Creed when we say that our Lord descended into hell. So there are multiple words for that's hell. This is the most generic word, meaning something like the nether world, which would actually include for us, um, historically, though not now, the limbo of the fathers, the Old Testament people who, remember, they couldn't go to heaven when they died, not until Jesus Open the gates of heaven on Holy Thursday, Ascension Thursday. That's right. Uh, the limbo of the infants, um, the purgatory, and hell proper. In other words, the the hell of the damned, the 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 hell with, that has the pain of sense in addition to the pain of loss. Those four um, states slash places uh, all go by the word. Infernum, which can be translated as hell, but it's what Father Feeney used to call the essential hell. So when he said that the souls of unbaptized infants go to hell, he all he well, first of all he would rarely say that, but he would only talk to say it to people who knew what he was saying. He would even then qualify it with the essential hell, meaning 
that they don't have the beatific vision. Because hell essentially is that place or state that state slash place. For angels, it's a, it, for, the, for, the, for the demons, it's a state. It's not a place. But uh, hell is that, that state and that place which, uh, in which there is an uh, everlasting deprivation of the beatific vision. That's the essential hell. So good old-fashioned hell. <laughs> I'll never live that down. Okay. So, yeah. And, and, uh, and, and in, in, that, in that state, in that place, the infants go. But, again... Um, they can have a certain amount of natural happiness. Um, they can, I mean, the, the Jesuits, you know, St. Thomas Aquinas, I think, got it essentially right and, and told us, I mean, I don't want to say essentially right. That sounds really condescending. Oh, yeah, he was right. You know, I don't mean that. I mean, I think St. <laughs> yeah, Thomas, right. Thomas gave us a fairly complete idea of what limbo is. The Jesuits later, like Suarez, who is a great Jesuit theologian, it adds a lot, I've joked before that Suarez put a lot of nice furniture in it. <laughs> Basically, he, uh, um, so they speculated. I mean, Father Feeney himself speculated because he had a brother who died in this state. He had a brother who who died um, in utero, unbaptized, and um, he he had done a lot of thinking about this. And but he wasn't a sentimentalist, but so he wasn't going to put his brother in heaven. But he said, you know, there's nothing in the faith to say that if, for instance, I'm saved or my parents are saved, that my brother couldn't see us. But he wouldn't enjoy the beatific vision. So, um, yeah. So, the, the, the Council of Florence, when it defined this, did not use the word limbo. And Father Crean, Father Thomas Crean, who was an expert, by the way, on the Council of Florence, uh, he, did his, he did his doctoral dissertation on it, um, which I'm almost finished reading. <laughs> but, but Father Crean um, sa- speculates that perhaps the reason they didn't use limbo is twofold. Number one, it wasn't used by the fathers because it was a medieval, the, the word limbus, limbus was a medieval addition. Okay, it was a medieval, it was something that was come up with in the Middle Ages. And if anybody's scandalized by that, like I say, you admit you invented stuff in the Middle Ages. Well, yeah, the Eastern Orthodox invented stuff in the Middle Ages too. Okay, so uh, it's common for people to develop, you know, theology develops, right? It just does. Um, now, I mean, we don't believe in the evolution of doctrine like this, this piece of um, malarkey that Pope Francis just came out with about new, how to do theology now, which people are ripping apart. Um, yeah, that's not acceptable theological development. But there's always been some kind of theological development historically. The theology of St. Thomas is more developed, to say, than the theology of St. Ambrose or St. Augustine. Um, and the same goes for, for, I mean, St. John Damascene's theology is more developed than St. Maximus of um, the Confessor's theology, which is more developed, say, than St. Um, uh, um, Gregory of Nyssa or Gregory Nazianza. Well, there's nothing wrong with, with, with the developing. I mean, yeah. uh, I'm, just, I'm just saying this so that somebody doesn't well, go, aha, uh-huh, you admit the medieval right. theologians made it up. <laughs> no, okay, right. so it's a useful word. Okay, it's just, it, it's so many things are in theology, it's a useful word. It makes, it makes, it makes for useful distinctions. But if, you don't, if you're ignorant of the distinctions that go into the concept of limbo, then you can just dismiss the whole thing and, no pun intended, throw out the baby with the baptismal water. 
okay. Yeah, that was a pun intended. It was a pun intended. Um, oh yeah, a couple of things. Uh, Brother Andre Marie, the uh, host of Reconquest Radio here. Um, uh, by the way, we have a request for Reconquest 24-7 on the Crusade channel. I just thought I'd forward that along to you. Oh, and, and for you to replace me, just thought I'd forward that along to you. Um, uh, as, Ouch. Uh, as eminently more informative and entertaining than uh, the guy that avoids all discussion of, of Catholicism. Great dose of humility, brother. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to ask these questions. Um, Dr. Torres wants to know, what about aborted babies? Are they automatically considered martyrs because of how they died, or do they fall into the same limbo? I think you answered that. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, they, they, aborted babies are not martyrs. I mean, first of all, first of all, they're not being killed in odium fide. They're they're being killed for the convenience of their selfish, greedy, rotten parents, yes. or at least a selfish, greedy, rotten mother, whatever. I mean, and I'm not saying this to. Uh, obviously, I know that many aborted many women who abort um, are in a very bad state when they do that. But but human sympathy can only go so far. They are clearly, at the very least, accessories to a crime. That's I mean, in any civil society that's decent, they would be penalized somehow, however lightly and however much mercy is shown to them. They're accessories to the crime of murder. Yes. Um, um, so you can't say that they desire the 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 good of their of the, of their children. They're not the, those children are not being cu- killed in odium. They're being killed um, uh, out of out of some disordered concupiscence. Uh, it it is completely and totally uh, disordered, and this is why the pain of guilt. Uh, the ones that actually have consciousness uh, later in life, the pain of guilt of what they have done ultimately is what they have to live with, which is why some of them, when they convert, com- commit their lives, the rest of their lives to preventing anyone else from the pain that they have endured. Um, secondly, um, uh, Ave Maria asks, um, should there be a baptism or a ceremony of some sort for a baby that is miscarried? Okay, so here's the thing. You don't know, we don't know when the soul leaves the body. I've been with a priest, an old priest, our old chaplain, Father Yuretsky, God rest his soul. I've been with him when, when, he's, when he's called for, um, when he was called for, uh, to give the last rites to somebody. Okay. And they're like, well, okay, well, they think the person died. Well, Father would admit he would give, he would give last rites, you know, up till, and even after rigor mortis, because he actually took a very loose position that, you know, well, really, the only absolute certainty that the soul's left the body is when you get um, putrefaction, you know, mm-hmm. when you get the rotting. Now, that takes a while. But, uh, but, but most people say, well, rigor mortis is a sign of death. Well, before rigor mortis, I mean, it takes a while for rigor mortis to set in. I can't tell you because I'm no expert in this stuff, but I haven't gone around, you know, checking people out when they die. <coughs> but... Um, the uh, I mean I, I I've, so I've seen the sacraments administered to people who had no heartbeat you know they were beginning to turn cold it's, and so forth right um, so for all intents and purposes they're dead I mean b- b- you know they would be declared dead by um, a doctor um, yet uh, most pr- yeah all priests at that point would still administer the last rites because we don't know when the soul leaves the body exactly right it's not it's not so clear cut it's not like there's a light bulb on the forehead that says you know okay it's red now that means the soul's gone um, okay so, so I, I can, I, the same thing applies to infants okay so so when, when a miscarried baby is 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 born or is is yeah 
however removed from the from the womb, then uh, then then the, the baptizing that baby sub conditione huh, is perfectly fine conditionally. Okay, uh, I ask and I, and I, he's probably listening. So um, because this question has come up and he asked he, he actually once upon a time he he asked me and I said. Wally, that's a Brother Andre question. Well, Wally Fauché, your son, Paulie, you just got the answer to your question. Because Paulie was born still, and Wally was there, and the pre there was no priest there. And he said, now, Mike, I baptized him. I said, did you do it in Trinitarian form? And he said, yes. I said, well, it sounds to me like that's, that's, that's perfectly exactly what you should have done. Um, this was months ago, uh, Wally asked me to ask, you, uh, ask someone this. And I, of course, volunteer. I volunteered you for the job, um, but you just answered the question. So, and I think that, that a lot of people listening may go, "Okay, well, that makes complete and total sense." You know, there is a there's a sermon. We have it. I want to say that I have it at CrusadeMax.com. Don't call me on that. If not, I know where it is because I have it. That Father Wolf gave about a decade ago, and he was because he had been asked a question about a relative of a parishioner of his who had been voluntold by virtue of his, um, what do they call it, organ donor status on his card. Um, he was still alive, and they basically killed him and took his heart out and gave it to someone else. And he was asking Father about that, about, well, um, it was uh, about brain death. And uh, was there a church teaching on brain death? And Father Wolf goes into this very long, this is an hour-long sermon, so I think it was at a mission somewhere. I'm exaggerating. It's 35 minutes long. And he goes into a very detailed explanation. And he said, and I'm paraphrasing, he says in that sermon, he goes, okay, well, before 1968, when the Harvard Medical Review uh, began the process of trying to change the definition, this is after Jarvik or whatever the guy's name was came up with the procedure that ultimately would be called a heart transplant. Um, and after, maybe it was Oxner. I forget who came up with it. Um, and they and they had determined because they tried this that they could not remove hearts from cadavers, even if it was a ten minute old cadaver, and transplant it in a living human being to get it, and and resuscitate the heart it wouldn't work. It never worked. They couldn't get it to work. So they determined that the only way you could do a heart transplant is to take the heart from someone who is still breathing and blood is still flowing. So they had to invent this thing called brain death yeah. yep. as yep. this ethical cover for doctors to basically execute whoever it was that had the misfortune of laying on the slab and it signed an organ donor card. Yeah, pal, they're gonna they are going to rip your heart out of your living body, and they're going to put it in someone else. Uh, there's that, a Catholic, there's a Catholic medical doctor, doctor. I think his first name is Paul, but his last name is Byrne. Uh, who is an expert in this stuff? And he goes around giving lectures on why you shouldn't put that thing on your on your driver's license, because you're basically giving them carte blanche to uh, take organs out of you while you're still alive. The organs of dead people do no good for anybody. They have to take them out of you while you're still alive and throw them into an ice chest and zip it across. You know, mm -hmm. and chances are you're gonna you you, you know it, it, yeah I mean. 
Let's not get into the into the into the medical industrial complex, Mike. No, no, we know how evil these guys are. Yo, no, They're we awful. do, brother. I just thought for that it's kind of on the same subject, but I just thought, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm saying let's not. I mean, let don't let me do it. <laughs> oh, oh, I'm holding him back, folks. I've got him it's by the your, I've got him by the your, habit. It's your show. You can go where you want. I'm just I'm, I'm trying to restrain myself. I've got him by the habit. I've, I've got him. He's not going anywhere. Uh, um. Um, infernum is also in the St. Michael prayer. Yes, but that's a, that's a different word. Is they're it? Very, they're, they're, yes. They're very closely related. Okay. Um, yeah. It's, it's, um, well, okay, so in Infernum de Truda, uh, right? Ad in, inferos. No, actually the N isn't in the one in the St. Michael prayer. It's actually a closely related word, but it's not the same word. Okay. Um, I've only heard it verbally, so uh, perhaps I, sh- I should read it. Um, okay. So I, I, I dropped it, I dropped Father Crean's article into into the chat room. I see um, And and that that is important. Um, there's a couple of other things on Catholicism.org on this subject. Um, I think it's important that we that we. Um, that we do this because th- th- that we have clarity on this issue because people, first of all, it, I mean, what the what the church teaches is important. It's not inconsequential, and the church actually has taught on this subject in an ecumenical council. We can't just poo-poo that. And by the way, Florence reiterated what an earlier ecumenical council, Leon II, had already said. Um, so that's one thing. The the other thing is, what happens is people look at this and they give they they allow it. What they basically do is they, it allows abortionist quarter. It allows there was an there was an evil abortion clinic I think in New York State someplace. I mean they're all evil, but this one was particularly <laughs> evil because they call themselves angel makers. Ah! That was like the name of the clinic. Oh good lord! And Literally. The, and they were playing off of the vulnerable young women who were basically told, hey, look, you know, um, oh, I just put in a, a messed up link. Wow. I'm, I, I'm no good at multitasking. Um, we're the, men. Uh, the, we aren't. Yeah, I know. I know. And, and I tell my students, the reasons why men can't multitask, women are made it because they're made to be mothers. They can multitask really great because they can, you know, it, it, be, be instructing the 12-year-old in math while they change a diaper and, you know, and, and, and wipe the snot off the 5-year-old's nose all at the same time. It's crazy. They have that third arm that comes out every once in a while. They do. And I watch the sisters with the children, with the, with the little children. It's like, I, can, I couldn't do that. I would be so distracted if they attempted to do what they do. Anyway, but, um, so that's me. But I'm, 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 now I think I will succeed in dropping a link. Um, yes, there we go. Okay. So that, that's another piece that I wrote years ago. Um, limbo and the mystical body on the borderlands of dogma, and I use the word borderlands on purpose because purpose, that's what limbo means. Um, but uh, yeah, the idea that um, yeah, I, I heard about a horrible instance where there was a pro-life rally, and there was this there was this this pro-life woman who knew this gal who was contemplating getting an abortion, and she says, "Come with me to this." There's this really there's this pro-life bishop who's going to give a talk. I want you to hear this, and the bishop gave a talk, and and in this talk. He said every, everything he said was good, except he says, but of course these aborted babies go straight to heaven when they die. Ugh. And guess what happened to the woman who was on the fence whether she would get an abortion or not? She got an abortion. She had it. Yep. In other words, he, he, he gave her what St. Alphonsus would call a pillow. He gave her a pillow, a moral pillow, that she could rest her little head on and, and fall asleep in her sins. You know and, what? 
and, and assuage her, her, her conscience. And that's evil. That bishop will have to answer for that. Even though he didn't do it intentionally to counsel, directly to counsel the woman to get an abortion, what he said was taken as that, and, and, it, and it could well have been taken as that, because what he said is an error condemned by the Council of Florence. You know, th this is, a, it re reminds me of, uh, of so many things that we, uh, that we have talked about, but what immediately popped into my mind when you said what you said about the bishop is that, that uh, at the least, that is a sin against charity, and I would cite the, uh, the instance of Saint, uh, Saint King Louis IX of that woman who was sentenced to die, and he asked her if, uh, if, if, if uh, before the, the sentence would be carried out, he said, don't carry it out until she confesses, until she accepts the priest. And, of course, she wouldn't, uh, I can't remember how many years, and he kept asking, has she asked, has she asked, I know your, your, um, uh, your, your grace or whatever they would have called him, uh, your highness. And then finally one day, the, they come back and they said, yes, she asked for a priest yesterday. She confessed, and he granted absolution. So he calls he calls uh, on the priest. The priest says, "Yes, I, I gave her the sacraments." And he go well, go ahead and execute her. At, at at some point, and I believe you have made this this point in time, when a murderer who has committed a capital car, a, a mortal sin, is convicted and sentenced for as an act of justice or reparation to be executed. The church is always, kind of, the civil authority always carries this out. But it has always been uh, in, 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 in Catholic teaching and in, in practice that a priest is all, it is always goes to visit the, the, the convicted uh, for the purpose of can you, uh, to amend their way and to amend their life and to seek God's mercy before the execution is carried out. At that point in time, if we truly believe what we're taught about uh, uh, death, judgment, heaven, hell, then it is a very merciful thing to carry out the execution after, immediately after. I mean, provided that we, we don't know what's going on in his mind. But if he did confess, and if the priest did grant absolution and give him a penance, if he carried the penance out, and then the hangman pulls the trigger and <laughs> the neck is snapped, that's an act of charity. It seems to me that when when we tell people things that, oh, no, 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 that all babies go to heaven and Aunt Mamie doesn't need the last right. She, you know, she adopted a dog. She's good to go. That's not charitable. It's, no. it, it, it's completely contrary. It seems to me that being nice <laughs> or what they say being nice is not charitable in many instances. And uh, the, the story that just, you just told about the bishop just kind of uh, um, uh, reinforces that. Yeah. Oh, yeah, de definitely. Definitely. Um, and I think that that's, uh, that's good for us to know and to remember that this is why, folks, for our, for our unconverted, for our friends that are evangelicals and other uh, uh, Protestant sects, I, I, I just reach out in all charity to you and, and, and say that this is why people like me, <laughs> I should say most people, need the church to teach me and to tell me Okay, no, this has happened before. Holy men have considered it. They have sought, you know, the Holy Ghost. And this is what the church has taught about it. 
You, it's up to you to believe or, or, or to obey and to carry out that teaching. You, we don't get a vote on it, but um, it seems to me that this is a benefit of Catholicism and of being a Catholic. You know, you, you're, you're often told, you know, you guys have to, you got to take the need of the Pope and your life is miserable because you can't do that. I, trust me, I, my life is, is, is not miserable. It's filled with uh, the vicissitudes of life. <laughs> I think God, I think God gives me an, an extra dose of going, all right, all right, all right, all right, all right, wait for it. Here it comes. Here comes another one. Let, let's see if you stay. Let's see if you stay. Filled with the vicissitudes of life. But we should take great comfort in the fact that we have a Catholic church and Catholic teaching that we can go to and, and these questions are answered uh, not and they're not answered unambiguously um, as I think your knowledge of what you shared with the audience today is a great example of yeah I mean it, it's important it's important yeah I mean look the, the the church gives us clarity on those issues that we need clarity on I mean we don't have clarity about every single thing because some True. things are just not our business I mean I, you know God basically, uh, in the book of Job, he says, you know, where were you when I laid the foundations of the world? In other words, he's basically saying, don't probe into my mysteries, buddy. Um, <laughs> but when he, where he has revealed it, where he has definitively revealed it, the church gives us clarity. And, you know, unlike the myriad oodles and gobs of Protestant sects that came out after the Protestant revolt, um, where they don't have clarity. I mean, your, your Presbyterians and your Baptists might, might agree on the, the Calvinist stuff, but, but, but one's anti-pedobaptistic, one's pro-pedobaptistic, and they would disagree on the very subject that we were discussing right now about infants being baptized. So, um, yeah, so we need that clarity. Mike, can I mention a couple things before we, we have to go? Because I feel obliged to say some things. Yes, uh, uh, and I would just like to say that I am out to Joe Doyle for an interview on an act of state terrorism, part one and two. Ooh, that's great. Yes, that's great. So I'm, uh, yes he's going to do we, it. We need to get an act of state terrorism, um, part two, to get read, because in the midst of all the stuff, our, our web stats have been going up and up and up lately thanks to several things, but um, I've been, the stuff that I've been putting up on the, on what's going on in the Middle East has been getting read an awful lot. That's good. Uh, but because of that, Joe's article hasn't gotten a lot of attention, so I, I'm dropping that link in the chat room. It's a very good article. Um, this one's on Stinson, uh, Stimson, um, who, who was one of the ones in the back door, you know, closed door meetings about should we use the bomb or not. Anyway, but so there's two things I wanted to get, get across. The first one is this. I have a trivia item that is, this is just an, like an added bonus to Wisdom Wednesday today, Mike. All right. Um, <laughs> uh, you played the Close Encounters music. I did. A bit ago. I can name you the tuba player that was the spaceship. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> the guy's name is Roger Bobo. That, and I can he's a French-Canadian, and he was one of the world's greatest tuba players at the time. And I know this because, of course, I come from a low-brass family. Not a low-class family, but a low-brass family. <laughs> low-brass. My brother played tuba. He still plays. He's a pro. I played euphonium. Played euphonium. Anyway, Roger Bobo, one of the greatest tuba players of all time, he played the spaceship in Close Encounters. Look him up on YouTube. You can find Roger Bobo playing tuba on YouTube. It's Roger, you know, Roger, right? Roger, Bobo, B-O-B-O. Anyway, the other thing is, I have a, a, a pile of things that I wrote on, on what's going on in the Middle East, 
uh, on Catholicism.org, and I know you didn't. This isn't a subject for us to talk about today, but I'm going to drop a bunch of links in the chat room because several people have told me that this was good material, and uh, that that they were glad to see somebody taking this on from a um, a Catholic perspective. And those who are un who are unaware of the history of the Nakba, you know, the the, the catastrophe, what happened to the Palestinians. Um, they need to know the background on this uh, before you start to, you know, wax eloquent about what's going on in the Middle East. Um, so most anyway. people wax ineloquent. Yes, yes. By the way, and uh, the, the piece that I wrote called "The War Crimes in Gaza from a Catholic Worldview," that has gotten um, it's 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 it got already gotten over twelve hundred um, reads. Uh, and I had priest, a priest contact me and, and say how good it was, and he was circulating it around to people. Um, it, we're, we're living at a weird moment of history, but one of the things that one of the things that's good that's happening is there's a, a, a growing consciousness of of the injustices perpetuated against the Palestinians, and that's not, you know, a Muslim issue. That's a human issue. It's also a Christian issue because some of these people are our Christian brothers and sisters, and even Muslims are entitled to natural justice. And then most people will go, yeah, but they're Muslim. Hey, you know what? If I were to, uh, if I were to compare, uh, somebody actually did this. It wasn't a Catholicism. Somebody actually went, well, here's what your average um, Israeli Jew thinks about our Lord and Our Lady, and here is what. Muslims think about our Lord and Our Lady. Uh, the Muslim has more boxes checked than the Jew does. Mm -hmm. And the Jew has boxes checked that the Muslim doesn't have checked, and you don't want them checked. As a matter of fact, I had a soundbite. Uh, I think I gave it to Maggie. I don't know if she put it on the cut sheet or not. Uh, uh, brother, you got to go? You got? Do you have 41 seconds? I have 41 seconds. Can you play digital media file number 11? This is Rabbi Matsraki, live from Jerusalem now, on that subject. Listen. Oh, no. This is all kinds of Shabbat that had a dream, all of a revelation. We saw what happened with the revelation of Maria. <laughs> 2,000 years of suffering came to the world. Christian Inquisition, Spain, Portugal, Holocaust, pogroms, from a dream of a prostitute who cheated on her husband, Pencil. From that, two billion people today follow this idol named JC. Why? One dream, a lot of dreams. There's people that uh, live in illusion even when they're awake, not when they sleep, when they awake. All right, that could yeah. be a little Ben Shapiro's uh, rabbi. Yeah, I mean, that's... The, and by the way, what he's saying is based upon... The, that's not his own personal bigotry. That's from the Talmud. Right, right, no, I get that's, it. And, and the Talmud is... is that is the that is the measure of orthodoxy for so-called orthodox Jews. That's what, Jew, that's what orthodoxy is for Jews. It's not the Torah, it's the Talmud. Uh, and, uh, and even within the Talmud, they make distinctions. So the rabbis say that the, to the Torah is water, the uh, Mishnah is wine, um, and the Gemara is fine aromatical liqueur. The Gemara is the part of the Talmud that has the most filthy blasphemies against Jesus and Mary in it. And, and this is not my opinion. This comes from 
rabbis who have converted and who have told, you know, in the Middle Ages there was a rabbi who converted and who, and who demanded a meeting with the Pope and he told the Pope, you think that Judaism is Christianity minus the New Testament? I've got news for you. It's not. You've got to know what's in the Talmud. And it was at that point that the Pope demanded that Albert the Great study the Talmud. And Albert the Great said, we have to collect every single one of these we can find and destroy them. This is awful. And that's, that's why it's very hard to find a, an, a, an old medieval Talmud because the church was very good at finding them and burning them because they contained so much blasphemy. Well, that's right. No, it's also because we're book burners and we don't want the truth getting out, brother. Uh, well, book burning was definitely done. We, we, uh, Guilty. <laughs> some book burning is good. I can think of some books that I'd like to burn today, like uh, some of the books that they're trying to put in uh, school libraries for children, all to be gathered up, put in giant piles, and burned. Yep. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I, I should be I should be going off so that I can indoctrinate the uh, the, the the pliable putty like minds of, of adolescents, Mike. <laughs> okay. Before you do, what is uh, on to the latest episode of Reconquest tonight? The latest episode of Reconquest is episode number 396, cool number, all divisible by three. Um, your attention, please. Okay. That's what I called it. Your attention, please. I'm actually talking about attention. You and, mean like attention span? Um, well, yes. I mean, yeah, the attention part of attention span, yes. In other words, that attention, not standing at attention as a military person or something, but yeah. We talk. I talk about it from, and I'm I'm actually citing some good uh, spiritual books on the subject, and um, yeah, talking about the need to uh, pay attention to the things that we're doing. No, we should always. Uh, of course, we pay attention. <laughs> I was paying attention just now. Um, uh, I have to save all of my uh, my cutsheets from each uh, was Wednesday because I scrawl all over them with the things that you're talking about and the references. Um, today is a banner day. There's a lot scrawled on this piece of paper. Somebody's going to discover my written works one day. Not that I've actually written anything by hand, and they're going to come across my books and go, "This guy was this guy was a desecrator of books." <laughs> He's Look, look at what he did to his books. Yes, I, Some, I Chesterton my books up. I was going to say, somebody published a G.K. Chesterton book where he had marked up somebody else's book. They, they actually published it. I forget what the book was. Oh, it was uh, George Bernard Shaw. There you go. It, it was, was George Bernard Shaw's book. A book by Shaw with Chesterton scroll, scrollings <laughs> around it. Well, yeah, you, you can do that. Maybe you could um, do a fundraiser for the... For the um, for the crusade for, for the crusade channel, you know. Uh, and by the way, I thought of a fundraiser for St. Benedict Center. It was, I, I got the inspiration this morning. I don't know what gave it to me, but I thought we could do some big fundraiser, and the award will be you can have dinner with me, and it'll be called my dinner with Brother Andre. <laughs> I don't know where I got that idea, but uh, anyway, it, it happened while I was listening to your show earlier. So. I'm going to do a fundraiser where the, the prize is going to be uh, a dinner without me. I'm going to promise <laughs> not to come. <laughs> what, what if Maggie wins? <laughs> well, let's not go there. Okay. All right. All right, brother, right. By the way, my I can auction off my version of Father Call's framework of a Christian state probably has 
200 footnotes in it added by me? <laughs> That's a great idea. Um, Friday is the eighth birthday of the Crusade Channel, brother. So I may be sending you a note to ask if you've got five minutes to chime in and uh, sing your, condol- uh, your condolences for the... Uh, for the audience that they may for have to endure. For your ruined life. <laughs> yeah, for hashtag life ruined. And, and <laughs> All right. Uh, Brother, God bless you and everyone at the St. Benedict Center. Thank you. A very, very, very important Wisdom Wednesday today, especially on this day after what happened in Ohio yesterday. A lot of, lot of questions answered. Yes. Yeah, my condolences to Ohio. <laughs> yes, uh, mine too. All right, Brother, God bless you. We'll talk God, soon. God bless you, Mike. All right, uh, brother, God bless you and everyone at the St. Benedict Center. Thank you. A very, very, very important Wisdom Wednesday today, especially on this day after what happened in Ohio yesterday. A lot of, lot of questions answered. Yes. Yeah, my condolences to Ohio. Yes, uh, mine too. All right, brother, God bless you. We'll talk God, soon. God bless you, Mike.